Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I mentioned that my last church did not have a building, but we were a mobile church. And thankfully, we found some offices to meet during the week. And when we moved into our offices, which was kind of like an old abandoned office area, there was a picture hanging on the wall that we left and we loved and we debated it and talked about it all the time. And I wanna share that picture with you this morning. So I'll put the picture up on the screen. You can just look at that for a while. For those of you who are listening now to this sermon on the radio and on podcasts, I'm gonna explain it to you, all right? Here's the deal. There's a boy with a sword in his hand who has climbed up a tree. He's up there because there is a lion down below who chased him up into the tree. Apparently, when he was up in the tree, he encountered a huge snake and he used his sword to cut off its head. The branch he is holding on to has broken off and he's about to fall into the water where a crocodile is waiting below. How many of you feel like that little boy up in the tree? (laughs) You ran for your life to get away from from the lion only to encounter a snake and you dealt with the snake, but unfortunately, you're headed to the crocodile below. I mean, all of us have times like this where things just seem impossible. No matter where you look, you don't see an escape. And I'm just wondering, some of you may be there right now. You're dealing with something and you do not know where the escape is going to come from. Maybe it's relationship issues with people who seem to have you surrounded. Maybe you have some extended family issues where things you don't know how it's gonna work out. Or maybe there are some health things falling apart in your life right now and you you don't see a solution. Or maybe it's, it's financial. There are a variety of reasons that we can find ourselves in situations where, where we look, the lion seems to have chased us, and the snake we've dealt with, but the crocodile is below, and we're not quite sure what to do. And here's the encouragement that I want to give you this morning, and it's this. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Your circumstances may seem impossible, but the battle belongs to the Lord. It's about his promises. It's about his power, his wisdom, his plan to battle for you and through you. And the exhortation that is going to come to you this morning is simple. Be strong and courageous. The lion may chase The snake may bite, and the crocodile looks hungry, but be strong and courageous. Those are some of the themes 
and some of the elements we find in the sixth book of the Bible named Joshua. I don't know if you've ever studied Joshua before. We're about to be in it for a few months. And I want to set some backstory and some context for you in Joshua. Hundreds of years earlier, the Lord made a promise to Abraham that he would make his descendants as numerous as the stars, that they would be a blessing, and that they would inherit a land. Now the Israelites are on the brink of entering the land of promise. After hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, and after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness, they are about to enter the promised land. But there's a problem. The land is full of treacherous enemies. And another problem is, we just have to admit, Israel doesn't have a very good history of following through and obeying. So for Joshua, he needs to know the battle belongs to the Lord. He will fight for them. Joshua, as well as the nation, needs to be strong and courageous. This is a great book. I'm so glad we're in it. So we're just going to jump in and start going verse by verse. It's going to be very encouraging. So let's start Joshua 1, verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Uh-oh. Moses is dead. In the first five books of the Bible, you cannot think of a servant of the Lord who is greater than Moses. I can't think of it. He's the greatest. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12 says of Moses, Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his land, and for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. The great Moses, the greatest ever so far in the first five books, is dead. And now it's Joshua's turn. And before we go any further in the book of Joshua, I have to correct your messed up thinking. I'm not saying you all have messed up thinking, but most of you have messed up thinking when you think of Joshua. You probably have in mind young Joshua, like this, this picture up here. Is there a picture of Joshua? You probably think that is Joshua. He's the man. He's strong. Of course God's going to use him to enter the Lamb. But at this time, that's not what you should be thinking. At this time, Joshua is about 80 years old. Let me show you what he probably looks like. 80 years old. He looks like some of you. I mean, this is... This is Joshua. <laughs> He's seen a lot in his lifetime. He has a lot of backstory. And, and let me just give you a snapshot of his preparation for ministry. This is in a variety of commentaries and study Bibles. I'm going to share one. I'm going to give you some backstory of Joshua, okay? So just stay with me so you can be thinking about 
How has the Lord prepared him for this moment right now? In Exodus 17, Joshua led the victorious battle against the Amalekites. In Exodus 24, the servant of Moses accompanied the Jewish leader to the mountain of God. In Numbers 11, Joshua was the attendant of Moses from his youth. In Numbers 13, Moses changed his name from Hosea, salvation, to Joshua, the Lord saves. In Numbers 14, Joshua, along with Caleb, spied out the land of Canaan with 10 others. Only Joshua and Caleb urged the nation to possess the land, and thus, only they of the 12 actually entered Canaan. I'm giving you a lot of backstory, here we go. Numbers 27 says that Joshua was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Numbers 27 again, Joshua was commissioned for spiritual service the first time to assist Moses. Numbers 32 says that Joshua followed the Lord fully. And then in Joshua 31, Joshua was commissioned a second time to replace uh, Moses. And in 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 Deuteronomy 34, Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. That's a lot of backstory. And that is a lot of accomplishments. But it seems, now stay with me here, it seems that all of that backstory for Joshua was used for preparation for this moment right now. Is it possible that all the events in your life, the spiritual matters, the Christ-like accomplishments, the leadership successes, are not to be admired in the rear view mirror as you coast the rest of your life? I'm just asking the question, and I'm gonna bring a little prop here, and I'm gonna ask that again. Got a rear view mirror right here? Because I don't think you heard me the first time. Is it possible that all the events in your life, the spiritual battles, the Christ-like accomplishments, you're not supposed to be going, man, everything was just so great back then. I did this and I did this and I did this. Is it possible that all the things that you see and all the successes in your rearview mirror are not to be admired and you're just supposed to coast the rest of your life? But I'm just, I'm just wondering, maybe all of your backstory is meant that God has used all of this to prepare you to do an even greater work right now. And I got a zero amens. (laughs) I mean, come on, it does not seem possible. It does not seem possible that God would work in your life in the past so that you can spend the rest of your days golfing, fishing, and socializing. No amens once again, all right? I mean, is that possible? There's no way. And my guess, if I'm reading the word right and I'm looking at your life right, my guess that God wants to take all of your previous life training and use you to do his work right now. That's right. (laughs) And that's exactly what he's doing with 80-year-old Joshua. Notice again in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. The promise is on the other side of the Jordan. 
God has promised a land, and now he calls Joshua to arise, cross this Jordan, and acquire the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Here we could call it a no-turning-back moment because as soon as he crosses the Jordan, it is a declaration of war. All the nations of the land will take notice. And so when Joshua takes that first step, it is a declaration of war. It is a no-turning-back moment. And But what he's supposed to do is to take one step, first obedience, cross the Jordan. And I don't want to be cliché, but it seems that some of you are dealing with some things and you're not quite sure what to do. But what you probably need to do is take the first step. It's often in reconciling with people that you don't want to take the first step you want them to initiate. It's often in challenges that you get paralyzed, you're not quite sure what to do. And it's also when I tell you that God has greater things for you to do now that you believe that intellectually, but you're not quite sure what to do. Let me encourage you to do something. Take the first step. My wife and I get calls and emails from time to time of people that want to talk to us about adoption and foster care and, what, and their involvement. And I had one of those recently. And as I was telling this guy everything that he could do with adoption, I was telling him about international adoption, domestic adoption, foster care, and he was just getting so overwhelmed. And I said, scrap all that. Do something. Don't try to figure out which one you want to do. Just go do something. Go to an informational meeting. Go get some training. Call someone on the phone to figure out how you get in. And I say the same to you. Take the first step of obedience. You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know all the results. But just get going. Don't be paralyzed. And notice also, as, as God continues to speak, look at verse 3. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. This is God's way of saying, keep stepping. Keep stepping. Because God made a promise of the land, but Joshua still has to take a step of faith and take it. Joshua's first step was to cross the Jordan, but then he was continued to put one foot in front of the other. Did you, did you see verse 3 again? It says, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. This is the promised land, and they will acquire it as long as they keep stepping. You take that step and you just keep going. You don't coast, you keep pushing forward. Verse five. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I'll be with you and I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Jump down to verse nine for similar wording. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, here we go. Two things to notice. Have I not commanded you, 
Be strong and courageous. And the second thing is, the Lord will be with you. Now, why does he keep telling him to be strong and courageous? Because there is evil people in the land, but also because Israel has a history of foolishness. Think about 1 Timothy. Paul says to 1 Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Why did Paul tell Timothy, don't be afraid? Because Timothy is facing false doctrine, false teachers, and he's also facing people in his church who are causing problems. I look at my life, and I think about those things that are external happening out here, and I think about those things that are internal, and I want to tell you this. I am far more afraid of what's going on inside than on the outside. I'm far more afraid how I'm going to respond to something rather than how something is going to respond to me. And I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I feel like the world can be crashing down out here and it's horrible and I see a tragedy, but I'm much more afraid on how I'm going to respond to it. And God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And Paul says to Timothy, do not fear. For I've given you a spirit of power and self-discipline. But notice also that God says that he will be with Joshua. Verse five again, just as I've been with Moses, I'll be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. And in verse nine, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <laughs> That's the best. God promises his presence. He was with Moses, and now he'll be with Joshua. He was with Moses as the people were led out of Egypt, and now he'll be with Joshua as the people are led into the promised land. Biblical counselors, when they meet with people, help them work through their fears and anxieties by trying to encourage them to be strong and courageous. They try to encourage them that, that God is with you always. But there was one biblical counselor, a man I respect. He said that he had fears uh, and he was a little nervous to take the trash out at night because it was next to his garage in kind of a dark area. But he said, kind of sheepishly, I felt better when the cat would go with me. Now, if a cat can alleviate fears, how much more the presence of the Lord? No matter what you're facing, the Lord is with you. Be strong and courageous. Let me kind of put it together for you, and I'm going to call you Joshua, if that's okay. Joshua, don't coast. Don't coast off your past accomplishments for I still have another call on your life. Take the first step of faith and then keep on stepping. Be strong and courageous, for I will be with you always. But God's not done. That's wonderful, but there's this one last piece, and if you miss it, it all falls apart. So don't miss verses seven through eight. Look at it. 
Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. The means to accomplishing the task is obedience to the Word of God. Joshua is told to obey the Word. And in verse 7 it says, you may have success wherever you go. And verse 8, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I don't know your background, and I don't know what kind of church you've come out of. I don't know what kind of messages you've listened to on TV. But this is not talking about health, wealth, and worldly success. If your mind goes there, don't go there. This is talking about walking in the ways of the Lord and having this wisdom that comes from God to face whatever life throws at you. And it specifically involves three things from these passages. Do meditate, speak. Do, meditate, speak. First, Joshua is commanded to do in verse 7. Be careful to do according to all the law. It wasn't to blaze his own trail and turn from God's path to the right or to the left, but he is commanded to obey God's word. And notice also in verse 8, he is to meditate on it day and night. Because what we find that meditation fuels obedience. And as the word is running around in your head and in your heart, there's something about it that just makes you think God's thoughts after him. And lastly, Joshua was to speak and be careful to not let the word depart from his mouth, which means he was to share it with the Israelites so they could move out in the plan of God together. And this do, meditate, and speak is crucial for us walking in the will of God today. I know it sounds kind of crazy for a, a pastor to tell you, get in the word. There's nothing, nothing novel about that. And yet we know that and often find everything we can possibly do to keep us from the word. But the word has to be in you to be thinking like God. It's almost like those of you who like to eat garlic and you have garlic coming out of your pores, we smell you coming. <laughs> and that's kind of how you want the word. May we smell the Bible coming out of your life. And may the word consume you. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, a Bible which is falling apart usually belongs to someone who is not. And may our church never be accused of not giving you the Bible. I would say we're full of it. I, I would say you can smell this church all over the village. We have Bible studies. We have small groups. We have Sunday school classes right after this with the goal to get you in the Word and to get the Word in you. But get this, the Bible is just not something you learn 
and memorize and meditate on. It's something you also obey. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Someone once said that not doing the word is like getting a check and not cashing it. So someone gives you a big check and you don't want to cash it, but you want to do what you want to do. You want to frame the check. You want to put it up on your wall and you want to admire it. And occasionally when you're walking by in your hallway, you want to look at that check and think of how great it is. But you don't want to cash it. We want to be those who cash the check who take in the word and then obey it by the power of the Spirit. We want to be those who do meditate and speak. Now, we're going to be in Joshua through May, June, July, and a portion of August. And as we go through Joshua, I want to remind you of something. All right? Let's be very careful here. Joshua is not the hero of the book. God is the hero of the book of the battle because it doesn't say the battle belongs to Joshua. No, it says the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I think it's very important to us to not just look at the book of Joshua, but to understand there is a larger history going on. So we think about our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is amazing. God said that he would not forsake Joshua leading the Israelites to victory. Yet we follow Jesus Christ who was forsaken by the Father in order to lead us to victory. The father poured out his wrath on his son on the cross and the son said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God did to Jesus what he said he wouldn't do to the Israelites. Yet the forsakenness of the son is what gets us victory as the wrath went on him instead of us. And he was buried and he rose again three days later. And the good news is if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have victory, you have forgiveness, you have eternal life because of the forsakenness, the wrath on the Son, burial, and a victorious resurrection. And just as Joshua led the Israelites in to inherit the land, those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ inherit eternal life. And so we follow our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do, we take steps of faith. In Christ, we're strong and courageous. And in Christ, we're never alone. So here's the rearview mirror again. I hope that when you drive, most of you actually look at your rearview mirror from time to time. But the rearview mirror holds all that's behind you, all of your accomplishments, and all your successes. And we come to a time in our life, and I've noticed, and it's a great thing, that most of your stories have to do with what happened in the rearview mirror on all that God has done. 
and may we always rejoice. But God is not done. I hope you start telling some new stories of what God is doing in your life now. I hope you're at a point where you're not going to coast of what has already happened, but you're saying, God, what do you want to do in my life right now? He still has a plan for you. He still wants to use you now. And it's going to be hard, and that's going to be a battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. You be strong and courageous because he will never leave you nor forsake you. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.